Well, we're back. Uh, this is uh, Pastor Tim Borman uh, from Sure Foundation New York City, and I'm joined here with my twin brother, Pastor Jonathan Borman from uh, South Carolina, Peace Lutheran Church down there. And uh, we have officially made it to episode four. How, how are things down in South Carolina, Jonathan? You know, I, I don't want to make everybody too jealous, but uh, we have had a stunningly beautiful week. Sunny, 70. Man, do we love the South. <laughs> <laughs> I, won't, I won't tell you. We, we, it's Groundhog Day, right, in, in New York City, and I guess the, the Groundhogs were, had a split decision today in the boroughs of New York City, so I'm not sure if we got six more weeks of winter or not, but we're going to slog right on right on through it. So Jonathan, a uh, little, little bit of math for you here this morning. We have uh, officially finished two chapters out of nine, so that means we're two-ninths of the way done. Uh, what percentage of the book have we finished? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm a pastor. I, don't I know. Math. It's embarrassing, Dude, right? <laughs> I cannot convert that fraction for the love of God. <laughs> we'll have to do that right after chapter three, when we finish chapter three. Then we can be like 33%. Then I can do what I can do. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. So crunch to get that calculator. But we're starting, we're, we're starting chapter three today and we'll we'll see how far um uh we get as you jonathan as you hear as we as we kind of wrap up what we what we call the great set speeches of chapters one and two because that's what we did in episodes two and three um do you think that verses one and two of chapter three are are a pretty good summary of those great set speeches and and if so like what do you how do you see that happening the the answer is absolutely yes i mean what we what hopefully we saw and we made clear in chapters one and two is you have this god who has lavished his gospel upon people and his heart is just breaking over his love really getting trashed in all kinds of ways. Humanity is being hurt. And here, right here in verse one, he says, hear this word, people of Israel, the word the Lord has spoken against you. And what, what, there it is. There's that uh, oracle of judgment kind of language. But this, this, he again says, this is where it's coming from. He says, it's against this whole family I brought up out of Egypt. <laughs> yeah, right. So he's getting, he's getting personal again. Remember how we talked about that with the second person uh, kind of language, the pronouns you, you, you. And he's he calls them a family, which is a little bit of a slight to them because he doesn't call them a nation or, or a tribe even. He's like, they're just a family. They're just this little group of people. But I, I loved them anyway. And I brought him up out of Egypt. So you have this great uh, exodus um, language of redemption, uh, bringing them up out of slavery right there. And he even goes on to say, you only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. And, and we should probably just stop right there and just marvel at that. You, you know what that is, Jonathan, right there. That's... 
that's election. <laughs> that yeah, he's he's loving people. I love yet, you guys. I I picked you out out of every yeah. So it's like I, eeny meeny miny mo. And he said these. It's the little people. It's those slaves in Egypt. I'm gonna I'm gonna rescue them, and. You know, Lutherans, we love this kind of stuff, don't we, Jonathan? Like, election, I'm elected, yay. <laughs> God loves me so much. <laughs> and Yeah, and, and I... You, you got me jumping in on you, sorry about you know, that. No, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, yeah, and, and so how can you not, how can you not think, as a, as a Christian now, as a New Testament Christian here... You've got this language. I brought you up out of Egypt. What is Egypt? I mean, not. I'm not trying to allegorize or anything like that. But finally, in the Bible, there's really two great redemption stories, and the first one is God takes these these captive people, these slaves, uh, uh, where they're just getting beat on by Pharaoh, and um, they can't do anything about it by themselves. And so God says, I'm going to do it for you. You, you don't deserve this. You, you, you're just losing every battle, but I'm, I'm going to come in. I'm going to save you. I'm going to bring you up by a great, uh, with the great leader Moses out of Egypt. And, and he does, and he brings them to a promised land. And you, can't, you just have to see Christ in that. Yeah, that's, that's redemption story number one. So what's redemption story number two? Yeah, so we needed it, 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 the much greater one, the one God was always aiming at. He was just picturing that first one with Moses where, of course, what's, what is the greatest redemption of all? What's the greatest slavery of all? The greatest slavery of all is sin. The greatest Pharaoh of all is death. And here we are on earth. Uh, we're, we're trapped under sin. We're getting beat up by it. We're slaves to it. And this ultimate slave master death is coming for us all. And Christ comes in, in a great redemption. And he says, I'm going to do this whole thing for you. I've, I've picked you out. Go ahead. <clears throat> well, I was just going to say, like, you could actually say that the whole Bible, the whole Bible's in Exodus. Like, it, I mean, track with me for, just for a second. If you go... If you go all the way back to Genesis, uh, what you have is God going to Abraham and he says, come up out. And and then he does. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. And us come yeah, up, come this way. It's an exodus. And then and then you have um, you have the great exodus out of out of Egypt. And if if you just look at even Jesus life, you have him actually going to Egypt and then it says out of Egypt I have called my son and and then so that's three already and then you have Jesus actually in Luke's gospel on the Transfiguration Sunday what we don't see in in the in the English but what we see in the Greek is that Moses and Elijah and Jesus are actually dis discussing his exodus that's what it says in the Greek John like it's this great exodus from the grave. And so that's four exoduses. And then if you go to the book of Revelation, then really what, 
what God is, is saying in the Bible is that there's still another exodus coming. And, that, and, and the exoduses are actually growing. They're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so, you know, the one where the Red Sea parts, that one's pretty cool. But then when God brings us out of the great tribulation into heavenly glory, into the new heavens and the new earth, that, that's like the trajectory that we're on if you, if you follow that. So yeah, and it, it, it isn't the Apostles' Creed? I, I mean, I think about this all the time. Uh, isn't the Apostles' Creed like one of the final lines in there? Isn't that really just promising Exodus to us? Like we we are believing in the greatest Exodus of all that that we're going to leave our bodies, and then God's going to bring us into a new one. I oh, believe yeah, yeah, in the yeah. in the resurrection of the dead. So, so that we can leave uh, sin behind, death behind, and be granted new life, and where we'll never have to leave again. Because what is life here? I mean, you got me all hyped up, but what is life here? It's leaving. It, it's a you constant always leaving. leave. Yeah. You and it's so painful. Uh, friends, and there's all these little deaths we experience here because of sin. Um, and we see people leaving us because of death all around us. And then finally we have to take our own exodus and we are believing in this Christ who says, I'm going to make it possible. I'm going to part the seas. <laughs> yeah. So you never have to leave again. Yeah. It's, it kinda, awesome it's like hope is it. growing. Hope is growing like, whoa, exodus, exodus, exodus. But here's what, here's what. Amos does with it, and this is actually, I don't think this happens ever in Scripture. Again, he has this elected people, he's got this exodus people, uh, and, and then he says, he actually makes the gospel, it, you know, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but he makes the gospel the basis for punishment of sins. You see that? Like he says, you only have I chosen of all the families of the earth, Therefore, I will punish you for all your sins. Like, oh, come on, Amos. Maybe I didn't want to be chosen after all. So you have that, that whole, he takes a gospel technique, like we were talking about with the great set, set speeches, and he inverts it. I mean, I, I, and I think we have to... Uh, I, I want to be really sensitive to our listeners on this too. Like we don't want to present God in such a way like his promises aren't true or the gospel isn't true or something like that. But what we have to understand Amos is doing here is these people are secure sinners. These, these are not repentant people who are, who are ultimately believing in Christ. They, you wouldn't preach this way to, to people like that. These are people who have in left fact, it all behind. I can't even remember ever preaching this way. Uh, do you? Like you preach uh, in Scripture, this is it. You're not going to see this precedent again. Where you, do you see it? The, uh, no, I mean, this, this is a rare circumstance where you have God's people who really aren't God's people in the sense that they have any faith at all. And so these are people uh, who are not sad about sin. 
they they are not having faith in any kind of Christ. And so Amos is going to come and give them the ultimate wake up call. And I think I think God's people need to know that and well, and understand it, that context. Well, and, and I, to put it that context with Amos's language, what you have here is a chosen people taking their election, their chosenness by God as uh, a basis to be able to sit. Like God's God's yes. chosen us so I can uh, I can choose Crocs instead of my brother, like we said last time. Like that's the <laughs> that that's the whole thing, right? And so Amos is like, Okay, I'm gonna invert this and I'm gonna bring you law so you understand how bad this all is. And uh, we'll get back into this later, but finally, what God's heart is, he wants, he wants to drive these people back to the gospel. He wants them again in faith. So Amos yeah. is just, and to get them there, he has to just pound on them with law. So like we always call this God's alien work. Like it's not his, he doesn't enjoy law ministry as healthy as it is. But it's, just, it's a ministry of death. It's a ministry yeah. of death, but to bring life. God God kills to make alive. We we gotta get back into that later, but that's what's going on here. Yeah. And 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 so the people so the people are starting to ask this question. They've heard the great sect speeches, and then Amos is saying, Hear this, family, chosen ones, you're gonna get punished. And so the people have a an, a question in their mind, and they're like, Amos, what gives you the right to talk to us this way? How can you, who told you to say these things? You're saying them on, on your own. That's kind of what they're thinking. And so what we have next is we actually act, we have to actually get back into a time machine like Marty McFly. Is that the guy from Back to the Future? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not good. I'm not good on pop well, culture. Well, People mom and dad didn't let us watch those kinds of movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But it, well, you know, here's what's interesting, and you see this theme all over the Bible: is whenever a prophet comes, and this is, this is true of both uh, in the New Testament when you have gospel ministry predominating among people and. And, and the righteousness of faith, you know, believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, coming is people, and Jesus got this all the time too, and then his apostles and then his pastors do. What authority do you guys have to say this to us? Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> on, what, on, what, on what basis? So like Paul in the New Testament, people are like, you can't, you know, why do you think you're such a big shot, Paul? <laughs> Amos, why can you come and talk to us like this? You you don't you don't have the creds to do this. You, or, don't, you don't have the backing. Or really, this. any pastor, Jonathan? Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, only in church, only in church, and will you get the kind of sheer honesty that your pastor has with you? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I actually I can't Who's think gonna... of any area in my life where someone's standing in front of me saying. You've been you sort of been kind of a jerk to your wife lately, and like you know that those types of things, and like how what gives a pastor a prophet the 
the right to say those types of things as 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 much as we all need to hear those things <laughs> yeah so the that's and the, so the human response is when somebody speaks and you, and you don't really like it whether it's a word of gospel or a word of law people the first response is going to be i don't have to believe you why why do i have who to are believe you? you yeah who are you yeah <laughs> <laughs> so amos amos is amos is like well let's talk about that yeah so what you have to do, Jonathan, is you have to go back in time. It's like you get you get in there with Marty McFly, and chronologically you have to figure out well why uh, Amos already condemned these people. His, so that only happens at the end of a ministry where the the oracles of woe are actually done. It's the, the great set speeches of chapters one and two. But so now we're going to actually go back to the beginning of his ministry, and he's going to tell us how he got his call, or he's going to tell us how he got his call, and he's going to do that using what some people, you know, the genre we we've been talking about genres as we go here is uh, wisdom literature. So he's going to actually so like Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Um, those kinds of books from the Bible, wisdom literature. Yeah, wisdom literature. And so he's going to use a common technique of, of the rhetorical question to, to lead us to this uh, very Im important truth of here's why Amos, Amos came. And he's going to actually use a heptad. So <laughs> what seven, is a heptad? Yeah, seven seven. <laughs> He's going to use seven questions in a row. Remember, like he used, like he used seven speeches, and then which culminated in eight in the first two chapters. He's going to do seven questions, and they're going to culminate then in questions eight, and nine. So the rhetorical questions to lead Israel to this understanding of where he's coming from. So. You got you got those seven questions. At first, they seem like uh, they're just shotgun questions coming out of nowhere. So, like he he says, do to walk together unless they have agreed to do so. Does a lion roar in the thicket when it has no prey? Does it growl in its den when it has caught nothing? Does a bird swoop down to a trap on the ground when there when no bait is there? Does a trap spring up from the ground if it has not caught anything? When a trumpet sounds in a city, do not the people tremble? When a disaster comes to a city, has not the Lord caused it? So, so that's seven. That's it right there. I mean, what do you make of that? How do you, how do you connect those questions together and make kind of sense out of them? What's Amos doing? Well, my, my first reaction to that is, uh, a lot of those questions, you're like, you, you're just kind of nodding along, like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know, I get that, <laughs> <laughs> and I and I think that's part of his technique. Is he's um, we talked about that in chapters one and two. Is Amos is incredibly adept at boiling a frog. He he, he you have no idea it's happening to you, and all of a sudden he springs the trap because you're you're nodding along and you're like, whoa. Well, the, well, of course, when two walk together, they, 
they've made an agreement. Like, <laughs> so, like, that's the home run question right there. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. If people are walking yeah, down yeah, the street that. in New York City, they're probably doing so because they talked about it, right? Let's go, yeah, let's go somewhere yeah. together. But yeah. then do you notice how, like, the threat level keeps rising? Like that boiling frog or, the, like, the temperature of the water <laughs> yeah. is rising? Yeah, but, like, but little by little, yeah. So now it's a lion. <laughs> Who's growling in a thicket, and that's a little like, ooh, that sounds a little threatening, actually. <laughs> like, like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't go over there by that thicket. You know, he might, he might, he might chase me off his little prize over there. So nature, <laughs> like, there's the threats from nature, but then he's gonna, the temperature of the water is gonna go up a little bit. You see that? Like he, all of a sudden, it's no longer. A, a, a natural threat then it's a it's a human threat so you go from a lion in a den who's growling and then a bird swooping down and then a trap springing up you have these things and that's the human threat right there like humans yeah. are the most devious violent <laughs> i mean can we just be honest about that like humans are a terrible uh mean uh devious kind of kind of thing at the end of the day and then when so it the human threat culminates is when a trumpet sounds in a city do not the people tremble like oh no there's people out there and they're not going to be nice like they're not sounding the trumpet there's barbarians to be nice out to there us. yeah, like yeah. <laughs> those people are going to destroy us they're gonna they're coming for our women and our children and you know if i'm the man of the house i'm thinking that like oh no they're shaking yeah like trembling and this is this is really bad and and then okay so whoa the, the, then you get to the last one you're you re, you're you're boiling then you're the frog boiling because the heat's all the way up when disaster comes to a city has not the Lord caused it oh so now the threat is actually a, a divine threat and you're like oh Amos. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> there's a there's a God who's coming. So like one way that's one way to look at these questions, kind of bring them together. Another another perspective would be, do you notice that Amos is always looking for the unseen cause of things? You see that? Like the the unseen cause of two people walking together is an agreement you, you can't see the agreement yet it's in force and the unseen cause of a of a of a roaring lion is is the the dead you know antelope in its mouth and the unseen cause of a trumpet sounding you haven't seen the army yet but you know it's coming and so amos is wanting us to see here like there's something unseen going on here and the threat level is rising. And so he's going to culminate with these last couple of questions. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? So you're like, you're so who is that lion? You know, who is that lion? Yeah. And why is he roaring? Like, cause before we said lions roar because they got something in their mouth. Right. And there's a there's an unseen cause to it. The unseen cause. And then it says the sovereign Lord has spoken. Who can but 
prophesy. So what you have is this humble, little shepherd breeder named Amos standing in front of you, and he's saying, God's angry. And he's saying, I want you to look for the unseen cause of that. I'm not here for no reason. Everything's connected. Everything's connected. And the unseen cause is God. And he's coming for you. Which is... There's so much in here. I don't don't know if, if you want to get into this here, but the way that God works is uh, in awe-inspiring. Because you'd think that if God really wanted to let people know, you know, I, you know, I really want people to know how I feel. I really want people to get what's going on. You'd think that, you know, in this case, because this is an oracle of judgment, that there'd be a lightning bolt from the sky. That, that there'd be this booming, divine voice like thunder that is letting people know, uh, I'm God and I'm roaring right now. But what you get instead is just a guy. Yeah, <laughs> you can see him. <laughs> he might be yeah, balding. From, from, from Tokoa, <laughs> yeah. you know? You, from, you know, just he's just out there, like, just this guy. He's a pretty good speaker. He's using rhetorical questions. He's being thoughtful, brilliant, you might say, but he's just a guy. Yeah, and and but so God, we could say this about God. He does he really want to be roaring? He he wants to be in a relationship with these people. He wants to be reconciled to them. So he's going to use this little guy named Amos, the sheep breeder from Tekoa, to bring this message from God. What do you think that says about, you know, where pastors standing up there and being honest with people and <laughs> you know here's here here here's what's so, here's what's so interesting i think for for all of us to consider is uh here's amos standing there saying uh there's an unseen cause and and namely god that's the unseen cause of me standing here and preaching to you and I have his backing, his full authority to say what I'm saying right now. Right. His word, he basically this is what he's saying. His words are my words. My words are his words. <laughs> and it, to understand theology, you have to understand this is how God works. Is he he works in history to call to call guys from nowheresville. Some are smarter than others. Uh, some are some, short, you know, some are tall, some are fat, yeah, some are balding. Some are, right, and and they're just these. There's just these people. They're just people. You know, they might have been shepherd breeders uh, in a past life. They might have been this. They might have been that. But they're they're just these guys who God endows with divine authority to deliver His words. It's like hit their words are His words. His words are their words. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. And so when God puts a message on your heart, I mean, it starts burning. You got to say it. And yeah. I, you know, Jonathan, boy, I, 
we got to wrap this up. We're, <laughs> we're, we're running out of time. So I think we're going to have to pick this up. And I still, we promised last time actually explore this question. When disaster comes to a city, has not the Lord caused it? I think we can still maybe, we're going to have to pick it up there. But it's been good to, to talk about some of these things and just to, to have hope grow through that through that exodus and through the messengers too, right? That God, that God sends. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Please join us again.